Hello, and welcome to Queering Desi. I'm your host, Priya. As a South Asian queer non-binary person, I have learned a lot on my journey of self-acceptance and building community. So in each episode, I will bring you a slice of South Asian LGBTQ life with a guest who exemplifies what it means to be who you are and to live your truth. I like to create a safe and open discussion with our guests and listeners. So if the topics on this podcast are controversial, please know these opinions are of the guest and host, and we don't mean any offense. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to a brand new episode of Queering Daisy. On this week's episode, I talked to Rav Bunsell, a contestant from the Great British Bake Off in 2016. I asked Rav about his recent coming out journey, as well as his love for baking and, of course, Bake Off. We also had a great conversation about sexuality and faith, and it was interesting to hear Rav's perspective on what it's like to be a gay Sikh man. All in all, this was a wonderful conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So without much further ado, here's Rav. Right, this week on Queering Desi, we have Rav Bunsell. I'm so excited to talk to you, Rav. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Priya. If you don't mind taking a couple minutes to just introduce yourself and your pronouns in case anyone hasn't heard of you, doesn't know who you are. Okay, my name is Rav Bunsell, as you mentioned, he, him. I guess a lot of people know me from the Great British Bake Off, mm. Series 7. And now I'm a broadcaster, podcaster, making my way through the world of TV and audio production, I guess. That's me. That's wonderful. Can you tell folks about your podcast? Because I kind of yes. love it. <laughs> My podcast is called Do You Wear That in the Shower? <laughs> it is a what some people have described it as an irreverent take on the many microaggressions that us as people of colour and queer people face on a daily basis. And we dissect the meaning behind some of the strange questions that we get, some of the weird comments that people make. And we kind of try to figure out what is the meaning behind it and what is and what isn't acceptable in today's society. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will start with like what I read about you recently, which is post coming out related to what you're talking about. Right. Can you talk a little bit about some of the reactions you've faced and what that's been like for you, if you're comfortable sharing some of that? Yes. So I decided to come out publicly at the end of June, at the end of Pride Month. I thought it was an appropriate time (laughs) to speak my truth. I did it in a very public way. I had been out in my personal life for many, many years, but I had never really spoken about my personal life publicly before because I didn't really think it was necessary Mm. or appropriate for me to do it. But then I suddenly noticed a bit of a shift in the way I knew it was important to be visible. I came to a a realisation that I needed to be visible in order to make an impact in a positive way. And so I decided to speak my truth via Instagram Mm. and via the medium of cake, actually, as well. Best Uh, way to do it. Yeah, best way to do it. (laughs) Cake is always handy in very stressful situations. (laughs) But yeah, no, I decided to come out and the reaction, for the most part, has been very, very positive. Mm. Overwhelmingly positive, actually. I was actually Mm. quite surprised because I had prepared myself for some level of blowback from people who might not be familiar with what it means to be South Asian and a part of the LGBTQ community. There have been some negative, but I have to say, I'm actually very, very proud of the South Asian community for being so accepting and loving, because I think sometimes when you look at cultural expectations and religious expectations, there's often a negative associated with the acceptance of the other, quote, other. But my experience has been very, very positive. And I know that I'm very privileged to have had that experience because there are a lot of people who don't have that experience. And so now I'm just kind of using my voice to help others and inspire others to 
be their true selves, but in whatever way that means to them. That That's me yeah. in a nutshell. I yeah, guess. no, that's wonderful. I think like what you said is so true because I think a lot of us prepare for the worst when we're about to come out. And I always think about like what seeds were planted for that fear to be present because it's not only the messages or how we see it going for other people, but there's a deep-seated like unspoken thing in the culture of like, this is not normal or this is not the way. And so we automatically f- inherently fear that thing. And even if like my parents, I had, you know, when I came out to them, I had a friend on call. I had like money in my pocket in case they were like, get out, you know, and that didn't happen. And I felt so grateful for that. But I also took a moment to think about where that fear came from because mm-hmm. they didn't actually, in so many words at least, say that to me or give me any indication that they would not accept it. But yet at the same time, that fear was present, right? And so I think about culturally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, culturally, I mean, as from a very young age, we're raised for marriage, essentially. <laughs> you will get married and you'll have lots of kids and you'll live this perfect life, I guess, yeah. um, in their eyes. Yeah. And when you don't have any examples of people kind of not falling into that kind of category, I guess. Mm. It can be very scary because you, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And naturally, you will prepare for the worst because that's exactly what I did. Similar to what you, you just said, I yeah. had money in my pocket. <laughs> I had a friend ready to kind of take me in if it, yeah. if it got to that point. But I think it's just one of those things. It's, I, I mean, I grew up n- never seeing anyone that looked like me who were mm. out and proud and who were accepted and mm. were successful. So I had no no one to kind of draw inspiration from. So I was going in blind, essentially. I think part of me knew deep down that my parents would be okay mm. because they've raised me in a certain way to be accepting of others. So I think it would have been very contradictory if they were not to kind of practice what they preached. Yeah. But still there was that fear because, you know, Punjabi people are very proud and they take on board what other people say and, uh, and other people's opinions. So I, I was very prepared Um, I've said this many times, but I was very prepared for any blowback that I would get from my parents because Mm. it took me 20-something years to be comfortable with who I am. It would be very naive of me to think that my parents would be okay overnight or at the click of a finger. Mm. And so I I prepared myself for all of the questions that they were going to have and gave them time, really. I mean, I, as I mentioned before, I came out years before I came out publicly. Mm. I deliberately took my time to say anything publicly just for the sake of my parents because I wanted them to be comfortable with all of the attention that they would get as a result because there has been a lot of attention put on them as a result of me coming out because I am the first out person in my family amongst the Punjabi community in the area that I live in and they certainly had a lot of questions but they had that time to prepare for all of the questions that they would have. Mm. Um, So yes, there was a lot of fear but we kind of turned it into something very positive. Mm. Yeah, that's Uh, wonderful to hear. I mean, I on this show try not to focus so much on the coming out but I think something that has fascinated me with your journey is I'm Punjabi as well, but I very rarely see Sikh people in the queer South Asian community. Can you talk a little bit about like the religious aspect? And and I think it's a little bit of the cultural that you've already talked about, right? But knowing how Sikh people are and knowing a little bit about the religion, it's almost so much heart, more heartwarming to know that that's what your parents kind of had as an outlook in life and they instilled in you as well. But. Yeah, I mean... I, from a very young age, have been taught that Sikhism is supposed to be accepting of all types of people, Mm. regardless of background, faith, culture, whatever. You're supposed to be accepting of all. And kind of those religious teachings was actually very comforting for me because Mm. my parents, they're Sikh. So if they are Sikh, they have to practice what the religion says. Mm. And if the religion is saying you're supposed to be accepting of all, then surely they'll accept their gay son. Um, But again, but when you add the whole kind of cultural element to it, you don't really know what 
how people are going to interpret that. But the religion has actually been a very comforting thing for my family, for my parents and my mother in particular, mm. because LGBTQ issues is not something that she's ever had to face before. Mm. And so she took a bit of a deep dive into Sikh scriptures to kind of find answers. And in fact, she found out that there's no distinguishing of somebody who's gay and who's straight mm. um, and therefore she accepted her son because the religion kind of gave her permission to I guess mm. um, which is actually really really beautiful because I yeah. know that a lot of gay people have a troubling relationships when it comes to religion but Sikhism my interpretation of Sikhism is that it's a very loving and accepting faith and my parents have grasped that and they've use that as a kind of a comfort blanket almost mm. yeah and they've used that as an opportunity to teach other people as well within the mm. Sikh faith because um, a lot of people who say that they are Sikh don't fully understand what accepting of all means mm. um, and so they now use scripture to teach other parents which is quite beautiful actually because I never expected them to be activists in a way right. <laughs> but they have turned into it which right. is, is is really really nice to see and very comforting because as soon as I came out my mum realised how difficult it had been for me mm. and she had a lot of guilt about the fact that I wasn't able to come to her sooner mm. and she immediately recognised that there are going to be many other people who are struggling and they might have parents who will never be able to understand or accept their children. Mm. And so she is now somebody who actively starts conversations with people about LGBTQ plus issues, which, mm. again, very shocking because my mum has never <laughs> been someone who's who's spoke about these issues before but yeah. I think she's faced it in a very real way and she's being proactive in realising that this is an opportunity to help others and make other people's lives easier and again I know I'm very very lucky to have the parents that I do yeah. as I mentioned before there are many people who who don't have that the privilege of having the support of their parents which is very very unfortunate I'm very lucky I guess yeah no did that I answer mean, your question by no the way? it totally I I did kind of I, mean, I love hearing there. like kind of that anecdotal part of it because I think I often thought of it, I was initially quite resentful of my parents for not embarking on that very journey. And it took me a, a while to realize it took my mom and I some work on our relationship after I came out to understand that they had just embarked on a journey. Like, I had done it. I was out to myself. I was out to my brothers, out to my friends. But then I dropped this bomb on them. And I was like, well, why don't you accept it? And it took me a while to realize that they then were starting what I had already done. Mm -hmm. And so, and they didn't turn into the activists, right, in in the U.S. and New York especially, I have a pretty open presence in the activist community, in the South Asian queer community. And a lot of folks would come to me and say, well, you're out to your family. Can your parents come and talk? And can you?" And they didn't kind of take that on. And there was like a fearful side of like, they were like, we accept you. Why do we have to like? And it took me so long to understand that it was their journey, that I couldn't impose that on them. Um, so I love hearing about that because I think Everyone's journey is different. And what I've told my mom is we actually got to the point after so many years of me being out that I got married last year. Mm -hmm. And it was something I had never expected, like a Daisy wedding, mm -hmm. um, and especially after coming out. Right. But my parents were there and they didn't want to tell like community members or immediate like whatever. We did a destination wedding and it was a small wedding, 40 people. And sounds they, heavenly. Actually. Yeah, it was actually <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah. What I told my mom after is because they knew that they would get it would go on social media and people would see it and that they would get things. And she was amazed at kind of the response she got, like all the people that she thought she, she had kind of pulled away from in recent mm, years to right. be like, I don't want to talk about this, came to her and were like, congratulations. Yeah. And it was that. And I told her that just the fact that she was there 
was her activism. She didn't have to go and do anything or say Mm -hmm. anything or champion anything or learn anything even. Just the fact that she had gotten to a place in her life where she was at her daughter's queer daisy wedding was activism in itself. And I think that was like such a beautiful way to look at it for her because Mm. I think she felt this like, well, I should be on this like, you know, you are. Why can't I be out there? But it's beautiful. I think it just comes down to, again, us preparing for the worst. And sometimes we don't give our parents the credit because we kind of think that, okay, they're of a certain generation, they're from a certain cultural background, Mm -hmm. they won't understand the, quote, new information that they're receiving. But actually, they're very, very resilient people. Mm -hmm. And yes, it might take time and it might not be immediately obvious um, in them maybe not speaking up in a certain situation. But the fact that your mum turned up to your wedding, again, as you mentioned, is enough of support for some people and for you in that moment as well which I'm sure was beautiful Um, (laughs) it's just one of those things it's just you just have to give your parents time really and give the people around you time it's quite interesting actually when I came out publicly Mm -hmm. I did it on social media it was interesting to kind of understand the reaction of other community members Mm -hmm. because even though I think it's fairly obvious that I'm gay uh, this was the first time that someone had actually was out and proud and mm. saying it without any shame. I get, well, mm. there's no shame attached to it. And it was interesting when people would call up my parents and they would approach them in a very kind of negative way, mm. as if they'd kind of been like a death in the family or something, kind of checking in, are you okay? We've heard this news. And it, my parents were like, he's our son. <laughs> we've we've accepted him years and years ago. So, you know, don't come at us like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's just one of those things. Again, yeah. it's just, when you're the first for a lot of people, yeah. you kind of have to kind of take a bit of a bashing, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is I kind of have to just go with the flow. Yeah. I think what is so heartening about your journey as well is like just that act of being out itself. It's still in this day and age is still making ways. It's still one of those things where it's unique to see somebody like that. But we're pushing the ball forward, right? By being out, by being visible. You didn't have to do that, right? Like the fact that you do that and someone might come to you and say, hey, I'm Sikh too. I didn't know it was possible. Or I'm Indian too. Or I'm whatever it is. And I didn't know it was possible. That still happens. And and I think just the privilege of being out kind of passes that along for folks. And yeah. I think for you to take that on so publicly has been really hard. And to be honest with you, I did it for very selfish reasons, if I'm honest. I just wanted to do it just to kind of get it out of my system and I wasn't really thinking about well I I kind of was thinking about the reaction but I was kind of thinking of the negative side of the reaction Mm. but as soon as I did the amount of love and support that I got Mm. from people it was very overwhelming it got me very emotional at times kind of reading some of the emails and the messages that I was getting from people For some people, I was the first person. I was the outlet for them to come out for the mm. first time as well, wow. which was, I, again, something that I did not expect. Right. Um, and I've been on the street and sometimes people have approached me and said, mm. look, look, I'm gay or, you know, and I, I don't have anyone to talk to, but seeing your story has inspired me. Mm. Um, and it's a lot of, sometimes it feels like a lot of responsibility because, you know, I don't represent everyone in the community. Course, but yeah. I know that me being visible is helping other people, yeah. which kind of makes some of the crappy stuff that happens worthwhile and now it's time for a quick break but we'll be back shortly on Korean Daisy with Rev Hi Korean Daisy listeners this is Priya I want to take a moment to share something with you as South Asian LGBTQIA plus folks our strength is our diversity we come from a variety of backgrounds and what we wear is so often essential to being able to express who we are Whether you're breaking barriers, deconstructing stigmas, or pursuing your passion, there's a brand called Bakwas Apparel that understands what it means to be who you are and what it takes to be true to yourself, something we believe in deeply here at Queering Daisy. 
Inspired by this generation of go-getters, innovators, disruptors, and dreamers, Bakwas takes pride in designing apparel that embraces and shares this multicultural identity to the world. Check out the awesome designs on their website at www.bakwasapparel.com. That's B-A-K-W-A-A-S apparel.com. And use the code RB10 for an exclusive discount just for you, our listeners. Join the movement, be Bakwas. Okay, back to the show. I want to move to Bake Off now. I want to know a little bit about baking and your journey with it. Like, how did you first find your love for it or any first memories of baking? Wow. Um, So, you know, cooking has been a big part of my family, like most Punjabi Indian families, of course. (laughs) But baking is something that my sister used to do, actually. She was Mm. a keen baker. And I just kind of learned from her, I guess, Mm. watching her create something very delicious, Uh, working her magic in the kitchen Mm. as I would wash the dishes from all of the things that she's been making. Just kind of, I just wanted to kind of get involved with that, really. It's just, which is a bit of a hobby, something I did on the weekend. Uh, I didn't really pay much attention to it until people would actually start saying, wow, Rav, this tastes really, really good. (laughs) And people would say, Rav, you should go on Bake Off, you should go on Bake Off. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, I don't think it's (laughs) for me I don't think I'll be able to to handle the pressures of being in a competition environment because mm. I'm not a very competitive person mm. and baking is something that's very kind of therapeutic and a bit of a stress relief for me so the last thing that I would want to do is bake competitively <laughs> but I thought hey why not you know it's yeah. a great opportunity I was a fan of the show mm. and then I applied for the show and things kind of just happen very quickly. Mm. Um, next thing you know, I'm in the tent baking with some 11 very talented bakers. And my bake-off journey began, which was very, very <laughs> terrifying and stressful. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's honestly been one of the best things that I've ever done in my life, actually. Because it completely shifted my focus because I was working in education before Mm. and then being in Bake Off and experiencing that um, and kind of putting so much of my time and energy into baking Mm. kind of reignited a fire in me of wanting Mm. to be creative with the things that I wanted to do career-wise and so yeah Bake Off was a it feels like a lifetime ago now it was like three years ago (laughs) but it was a great moment and many many people love the show a lot of Americans love the show yes (laughs) Um, and it has a, a great following it was interesting to kind of see the reaction from South Asian people seeing me, a turban-wearing man in the tent, baking. It got a lot of people asking questions about whether or not men should be in the kitchen, which I was very shocked about. Wow, really? Yeah, people would literally send me messages mm. saying, why are you in the kitchen baking? That's not something that you should be doing. Wow. And I was very confused at that because I'm like, I am a modern man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in the kitchen. My parents taught me and my sister that there's no difference between us. If mm. your sister's in the kitchen, you're in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, And so I was quite surprised that some people had that mentality because I grew up in a household where the men were in the kitchen. My my dad is a great cook. My grandfather was a great Mm. cook. So I kind of didn't really understand why people had that reaction. But um, yeah, that's my Bake Off journey. It it feels like I know that I'm not being very expressive with it because it just feels like it was ages (laughs) ago now. And it was such a whirlwind that I can't even remember some of the stuff that happened in it. And I I struggle to look at myself back because I know it's on Netflix Mm. and stuff, but I I can't watch it because (laughs) I just, I don't want to see myself because I know that I wasn't the best on the show. I'll be the first person to admit that I struggled on that show because it's very, very difficult. So I'd rather not watch it. But I'm I'm glad that other people appreciate it because for a lot of people, it was the first time they've seen a Sikh person on TV. It was for me. In like, 
like on such yeah. a big show yeah. and there I am <laughs> visibly yeah. Sikh you know I wear a turban yeah. of course even though there was some mixed feedback from people a bit confused about why a Sikh man would be in the kitchen which I still don't understand, don't understand. Yeah. but a lot of people were very, very excited to see someone that looks like them on the TV yeah. screens. Just like me, when I, in the past, whenever I've seen yeah. someone on a TV show that might be walking in the background, all of us are like, oh, look, there's a Sikh yeah. person in the TV. My dad does. <laughs> He's like, look, look who it is. And I was that person for a lot of people, which is very, very funny. But yeah, that, that's my Bake Off thing. No, I love it. I think um, as an American who loves Bake Off, because it got on Netflix, I heard about it before that, but when it came on Netflix, I binged all the seasons. I think what was so fascinating, and I think this has been true now living in London for a little bit, you see a lot more visible diversity here. Folks in turbans, folks in hijabs, South Asian folks on the streets, black and brown folks on the streets. Um, I live in New York. Like, it's definitely diverse. Like, But there's something about the diversity here and the kind of comfort level here. I think it's a little, quote unquote, I mean, safety is subjective, but I, there's a, also a sense of safety here by being part of diversity. But coming back to Bake Off, I think it was always shocking when I saw black and brown folks on Bake Off and it was completely normal mm -hmm. because in the U.S. we're still at that cusp of like, we're starting to see some representation, but it's nowhere near where it needs it's to be. It's just like a scatter It's of like, uh, yeah, we, like, <laughs> Indians just stopped being cabbies. Like, right, they, exactly. that just happened. <laughs> like, we just, oh. and even then, it's like, mm. So, I, I think for me, like, especially UK stuff and British stuff has been kind of at the forefront of that. So, seeing you not only three years ago, but even now, like, there's more and more black and brown folks or Latino folks on Bake Off, which is great. Like, I love yeah. seeing that. Um, it is, because we have so much to offer. Yeah. Come on now, our food is <laughs> some of the best food in the world. Come on. And if we want to bring that into a quintessentially British show, I guess, essentially, when it comes to baking, you know, that's the kind of take that I do when when it comes to the things that I create. Mm -hmm. I like to put a, a bit of my Indian flair into yeah, some of the yeah. stuff that I I create. And, you know, if I want to bring that into the Bake Off tent, then I should be allowed to. And yeah. the fact that they do embrace it, I completely agree. Like, it's, it's very rare to see a show that is so diverse mm. and accepting of all types right. of people and the kind of foods that they have grown up and they kind of bring that into the consciousness of, of British people, I guess, and all people around the world yeah. now. Do you still watch Bake Off? Do you watch even the current <laughs> season? I won't out you, but all right. Well, okay, exposed, anyway. exposed. No, I do, I do dip in and out in because out, it's yeah. very difficult to kind of watch it now because I know all of the nuances. I know how it works behind mm. the scenes. So I'm like, I know that that person, there's a, well, anyway, I'm not going to get too much <gasps> can, into it. What can you tell us? No, my mind. I'm not gonna... <laughs> he signed an NDA. He cannot disclose. Actually, no. it might have Did you? expired. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no. I just love that it took them this long to have a person named Priya, which was the best name to have um, this season. Oh, I, yes, I, there yeah, was. Priya, yeah. Priya, there you go. Um, Priya I representing. Think, and Rahul won last season, the first brown person. Yes. Win, big off. Oh, like, no, it's been Nadia was first. the first. Oh, yes, yes. Nadia. <laughs> Early seasons. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Ooh. Nadia, who is basically the Beyonce of Bake Off. Oh How can God. you forget her? <laughs> How could I? Um, it's just amazing to see it. And then the diversity growing. Um, I personally, okay, no shade. No. But I would like to see some diversity in the, the hosts and the judges. Personally, uh, yeah, I'm surprised if that's not happened already. Um, I think it needs a bit of a mix-up, a bit of a shake-up. And also, like, judging stuff like that is so subjective, right? Like you're saying, I think what we... We talked to Anthony on Queering Lacey last season, and, and it's something you've mentioned too, but bringing, like, all the brown folks that I can relate to have brought in, you know, cardamom and masalas and things and bringing in flavors of, of India or South Asia, right? And, like, if you have a host that is not attuned to those things or doesn't have a taste for that, and judging, again, can be subjective, mm -hmm. but if that's not your palate... 
it might not hit you the right way, but it might be fantastic for someone else, right? So how can you evaluate that? I think you should join the production team over at Bake Off. Let's see some changes. I mean, if they're looking, uh, I'm available. (laughs) This is my call out. No, I completely agree. And yeah, yeah, there are many stories I can tell you about my season of the show (laughs) where I was like, that tastes great. Taste it again. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think for cooking in in general, and I, I want you to weigh in on this, but Cooking has been such a part of our culture and is such a part of our culture. Something I've, I think I've experienced, and I don't know if this is unique to Bake Off, but the baking is like not part of it, right? So we, as Punjabi, we're like eating all the time and you like do stuff in the tandoor and you like make all the mm-hmm. things and the pressure cookers and the, but baking was never a thing for me growing up. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing brown folks like baking and desserts and things that are like not gulab jamuns, not kheer, not like yeah. actually other kinds of desserts and sweet things and bringing that and sometimes it's savory, right? Has been kind of great. It was like not a thing for me. Is that is that something that you relate to? Or? Uh, well, I guess to a certain extent, yeah, no, I completely understand the fact that within Indian cuisine, there aren't, there's no like Indian cake, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think, well, no, to be honest with you, I think because I, I was born in the UK, I I've been exposed to many different types of food mm. and my parents have exposed me to various different types of food. So it, yeah. it, to me, it hasn't been a bit of a shock to see Asian people baking or South mm. Asian people baking because it's just been a part of my life anyway. Oh, okay. And my sister, as I said, she's been a baker. Yeah. So And I've seen, watched her bake from a very, very young age. So it's just kind of been ingrained in me. But I, I understand the, yeah. what you're saying, yeah. though. Um, what are you up to these days with, in regards to baking or cooking? Like, is that still something you do? Or? It is. It's part of what I do. It's not all of what I do. So I, I like to create some wonderful things still. I'm currently working on a queer brunch club, actually. Mm. I am about to launch very soon with a hotel in London mm. because I kind of want to merge the activism side with the food side and bring them together. Mm. So I'm creating a brunch club that isn't exclusively for queer POCs, but it's targeted towards them Mm. because I've had many conversations with people of colour who say that they don't often feel welcome in queer spaces. And I guess naively to a certain extent, I want to kind of fill that void almost and create something where people can get together and network and make friends and meet like-minded people in a safe environment, all while enjoying some delicious food and some lovely cocktails. Uh, So that's something that I'm working Uh food-wise. So I'm kind of marrying the two kind of sides of myself together to create something great. Constantly developing recipes, maybe for something special soon. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded like a teaser. (laughs) No, I love that. I always ask my guests this, and this will be the end of our, like, serious questions. But if you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be? I would say just own who you are. And the reason why I say that, for the longest time, I struggled with my identity as a person of colour who wears a turban, who is plus size, who is gay, have all of these labels that other people put on you. I kind of struggle to kind of find my place in the world. Mm. And for the longest time, I put a lot of blame on myself for being all of those things. Mm. And I struggle to accept myself. And I just think if I had the mental capacity to be able to see where life could go in a positive way, Mm. I think things could have been a lot different. So I would just say, be patient and just accept who you are. Embrace who you are. All of these things that you think make you stand out for all of the wrong reasons are things that you're going to embrace and be celebrated for 
in the mm. future. So just be patient, I would say. That's the thing that I would say to my younger yeah. self. The, yeah. My time will come. Your time will come. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. That's still, I love all asking this question because oftentimes the advice that we'd give our younger selves is still relevant. Mm. So that that means something even now for me. So thank you for sharing that. I really enjoy oh, that. <laughs> my pleasure. Um, so in this last segment, I try to lighten it up a little. So we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire. doesn't have to be as rapid of However you want to take it, that's okay. fine. Bring it um, so my first question is, what is your favorite food or favorite dish? My favorite food is dim sum. Really? A dumpling and me. I, listen, I will destroy a whole <laughs> steam basket of dumplings in seconds. <laughs> I, I just absolutely love dim sum. Oh my that's God, my favorite food. What's your favorite recipe? From a, a celebrity chef or something? Um, Yeah, like something you like to cook or some uh, from a specific person would be great too. But... Um. See, I'm the kind of person that likes to adapt recipes and okay. kind of put my own twists on them. So I, I'm a big fan of things like quiches, for example. But I like to put my own twists on it. So I, I cre- have created a chili paneer quiche, <gasps> which when people taste it, their mouths hit the floor oh because God. it's just so delicious. That you have something so that's quintessentially, well, I guess it's French. Yeah. <laughs> then you kind of put an Indian twist on it yeah. on something that's a classic Indian dish like chili paneer and then marry the two and you have something that is just so heavenly. Everyone that tastes it, they just, they want the recipe, but that recipe is mine. Ah. It's a secret recipe. No one's going to get it. I was going to, that would have been my next question. So I'm glad you said that. <laughs> it's my recipe. Yeah. So my favorite recipe yeah. is my own. <laughs> <laughs> no one else can. That's awesome though. It sounds really delicious. I'm sure many people try to recreate that, mm-hmm. but. Not the same. Do you have like a worst recipe or like a recipe disaster that you can think of? Like something that has um, not gone well? <laughs> See, there, there are probably many because okay. I'm somebody, again, who likes to experiment a lot. And there sure. are many disasters, many flavor combinations that don't work, mm. many cooking techniques that don't work. <laughs> uh, so sometimes when I'm cooking, my kitchen can be a complete bombsite mm. from the carnage that's happened. Um, so I don't if there's a specific recipe that I... Listen, I will say this, okay... This is going to be very controversial. Okay. But I think that pizza is the most overrated food. What? <laughs> okay. Bravo. Uh, we're going to have to wrap up now. No. Wait, why? Okay, explain yourself. Oh, I just think it is. I just think that... <laughs> I, I Listen, I, I know I'm not going to be best good at kind of defending myself here, but just through my own experience. No. Or maybe it's just because I haven't had good pizza. That's probably why. Yeah, I'm curious about that because I think, I mean, it, it can be overrated, but it can also be very bad mm. um, I, I think, think I've, I've, I think I've had some bad pizza yeah but I'm going to stick to that until I taste some very good pizza <laughs> until proven otherwise yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh okay hot take from Rap Bunsen. okay alright you don't like no pizza, one throw tomatoes at me when you see me okay <laughs> so have you tried making pizza though would that be a recipe to um I'm just like, not a big fan you, of pizza. Why would you make it? Exactly. Why would I make it? It's a bit samey. <laughs> like, you know, I, I like to have a bit of variety in the kind of things that I eat. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Hmm. Do you have a favorite desi food? Interesting. Um, it has Fish. to be. No, it's a recipe from my dad <laughs> and it's his yellow dal. It is honestly the best thing. Mm. I think that's probably actually my favorite. Let's put the dim sum to one yeah. side. I'd rather have that yellow dal. Mm. I think it's because he probably puts a whole stick of butter in there, oh, maybe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's honestly the most delicious thing. And again, it's a recipe that he just, he won't tell me the recipe. Mm. I see where you get it from. <laughs> I get it from him. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. So a little bit about the show, if you recall, and if you don't, that's fine. But I asked these questions with Anthony. It was really fun. Do you remember like about the contestants or anything about in the tent, like if I give you a word and you, can you describe a contestant, would that work? Okay. Like Messiest, who was a Messiest in the tent? Uh, Val. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Would it be foul? Let's just go with foul. Okay. Anyone that you can remember being the loudest? No, I think our group was actually a pretty chilled out really? group, you know. I don't think yeah. there was one person who, well, I'm not going to name names in other seasons <laughs> yeah. from the stories that I've heard. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think we were all kind of on a level playing yeah. field when it comes to our overt mm. personalities, I guess. <laughs> was there anyone who was more frantic? Val. Yeah. <laughs> Sensing a theme. Sensing a theme. Val is an absolute sweetheart. Honestly, yeah. all of us, we're still in contact yeah. today. We have a WhatsApp yeah. group that is very active Aww. and we all support each other's projects that we work on. That's it's nice. quite interesting to put a group of 12 people together and you just instantly become friends. Yeah. Um, and that's what's happened with us. Yeah. So I love them all. Do you have a favourite judge or host out of all of them? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no, that hey. sounded very shady. No. no. I, I, I have Mel and Sue because they they hold a very special place in my heart. They were actually my favourite part of being on the show is meeting and interacting with them. But I, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we'll go to our last I'm segment. I'm so trying not to spill <laughs> the truth. <laughs> I know. And uh, we're not letting that come across at all. And so we will move on. <laughs> Um, the last one I like to do is reality versus Instagram. In case if folks don't follow Rav, you should follow him on Instagram. You have 21,000 followers, my friend. That is quite impressive oh, thank for Instagram. You. So we're going to ask just a few questions about social media for some fun. Sure. How many takes does it take you to get the perfect selfie? See, I've only recently started posting selfies of myself because mm. mm-hmm. I, I just never posted it because I always yeah. used to think, why would people want to post selfies? <laughs> but I would take a selfie and I'm like, oh, you actually look quite good. Let's post that. <laughs> I think I'll probably say about three or four mm-hmm. just trying to find the right angle and the right lighting what about of a, a dish or a, of a, a dish yeah. yes. again it's about finding the right angles I'm being very <laughs> concerned <laughs> it's probably about 10 or 11 yeah <laughs> I would have thought so like it can't be single digits it really can't be because <laughs> they all look amazing all of you guys okay. that from yeah. Big Off that post stuff I'm like I, do you have a professional that follows you around <laughs> I wish do you know what it is it's because we see like each other from Bake Off like you see their content and you're like oh I have to up my game that's what happens (laughs) because like Benjamina from my season when you look at her Instagram page it is perfection and then you're like how is she doing that but actually it's very very simple Mm. um, but very very effective Mm. and so you I secretly am like looking at Benjamin and say like, how can I do that too yeah I love that I love that um I enjoy it because all of it looks like something I could never like I could never bake my wife uh-huh. always makes fun of me because I watch bake off like a nut and she's like you don't bake like you don't do and I'm like yeah because I could never do that yes, that's why I go. watch other people do it <laughs> um do you have a go-to filter for Instagram I think in stories, yeah. definitely Jakarta. Mm, okay. That's my go-to. Pro right here. Uh-huh, I like it. Um, but in terms of actual, I don't really put a filter on the on actual the pictures that I, yeah. on my actual page. Yeah, but in the stories, Jakarta, Jakarta. is the way to go. Mm, I like that. Do you have a favorite hashtag? Okay, you, you recently I've been hashtagging GaySeek in my post because I thought, why not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in, with food-wise, hashtag baking. Keep it simple. simple. Very simple. It's exactly what it is. See, when I when I post a picture of something that I've created, so I would tag all of the not all the ingredients, but the flavors that are in there. So hashtag lemon, hashtag (laughs) (laughs) so that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love that. How many stories is too many? Because some people post a lot of stories. Like, how many will you watch before swiping? I I would watch probably about three or four. If it's more than that, (laughs) because sometimes you see like from the top, you can tell how many there are. Mm -hmm. Like. You know, unless you're being very entertaining, 
and you're someone who I genuinely find interesting, yeah. I will watch your stories. <laughs> but I don't follow anyone who who does that. Yeah. But I, I, I've heard of stories yes. from people. Dogs, babies, or memes? What would you rather follow on Instagram? Dogs. Dogs? I do. I don't have any pets myself, yeah. but I love dash hounds. Ah. Love them. I do love a corgi or two. Oh, the um, Babies don't interest me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, memes... Nah, I think yeah. dogs are the way dogs to go. Dogs are the way to go. Yeah. I like that choice. I would second that. Um, and lastly, do you have like a favorite account or person that you like to follow? Or if they post anything, you will see it or you will watch it? Like, uh, I don't follow many people mm. actually saying that. To be honest with you, like I'm very bad at posting on social media. <laughs> I don't post a lot, if yeah. I'm honest with you. Yeah. I think the last thing I posted was maybe about three weeks ago. Mm. And so I, I like to live my life in the real world, which I know is very controversial to say in 2019. <laughs> I know, shocking. Uh, but I, there isn't one person... Well, Actually, yes, I will always like a Beyonce Instagram post. Mm-hmm. I would that that's always a go to. Yeah. Uh, but other that. than that, nah, nah. Yeah, I'm more of a Twitter person, if I'm honest. Ooh, okay. Do you have a favorite account on there that you like to follow? Uh, Stephen Fry. Mm. I do like hearing his stuff. There are a lot of queer South Asian people who are active on Twitter. So kind of hearing what people have to say, their experiences. I've actually made a lot of friends via Twitter. Uh, since I've come out with mm. people who are creatives, they have their own podcasts, they're, they're artists, and we've kind of created a bit of a, a group, I guess, of us. That's um, wonderful. Yeah, so Twitter is probably, I know Instagram is where everything is hip, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm more of a Twitter person. Yeah. I like the conversational side of Twitter. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Rev. That's all the questions I had for you. It's been such a pleasure having you on Kareem Desi. I'm so honored to have talked to you, and and, and it's been great. Thank you so much. And I listen, I am a big fan of anyone who is living their truth and mm. spreading the word via a, a podcast or just kind of being visibly queer. And um, you're doing that with your podcast. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me involved. Thank you so much. And if you can just plug uh, ways that people can follow you or follow any future projects that you yes. have coming out. So you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Rav S. Bansal. That's R-A-V-S-B-A-N-S-A-L. <laughs> uh, you can uh, listen to my podcast, Do You Wear That In The Shower, on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and other podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. And if you're in London, watch out for my Queer Brunch Club. I would love for you all to come along and meet some new people and network and make some good friends. And just keep an eye out for some very special things coming up soon. Ooh. Fancy. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rev. Thank you, Priya. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Queering Daisy. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes to help us spread the word and to make sure you get the latest episodes right to your phone. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Queering Daisy. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please feel free to reach us on social media or drop us an email at queeringdaisy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.